Your tweet was funny, you know. Which tweet? The, I mean, it's normally me that does the uh, introductions, but I have a new name according to you now, so, you know, maybe it should be you that does the introductions, but it's what it is. Also, joined by the new Premier League TV star and BBC Radio 5 Live star and driving to Carlisle star. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't made my mind up whether I'm going to try and slaughter Jorginho or not. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I almost swore then. I'm trying to limit swearing. Because <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds bad. Especially the two of us, I think, are known for being relatively articulate. But Calm myself down. Because Wednesday really angered me. Like, it really did. And I shouldn't be this angry, but it, it, it really annoyed me, that performance. Well, welcome back to the Every Other Sunday podcast. I am uh, Jay McIntosh, and I'm obviously joined by Daniel Charles. Just want to make one thing clear before we go into the game, yeah? For anyone that did hear me on uh, Five Live the other day... You don't even go to games, Jay McIntosh. <laughs> do you hear that? Do you hear that? I that couldn't believe like, it. He's like, oh... Right, firstly, that I didn't know Man City fans could be so loud. Where's this guy come from? You're supposed to be nice and calm, Man City fans. I actually don't have a problem with any of you. What, what are you doing? And secondly, when when they invited us on, it was like a you could see it was like a video call and you could see what was going on. Right, it's a bit odd. Normally you'd think it was a phone. This, this guy was wearing a Man City hat and shirt, and I said to him after, "You do understand we're on radio." You know, it was after I said because I said I didn't go to Moscow in two thousand eight, and he was like, "Oh, did you go to any games?" I was like. Lad, I was 11 when that game happened. Like, <laughs> I was in school that. It was a Wednesday. Do you remember that back then? That's when uh, the Champions League final used to be a midweek game. Yeah. yeah it used yeah. to be a Wednesday. I, went to, I was in school that day. And then, of course, you know, coming back and watching that's the Champions League I said Champions to him, League I was final. like, I actually had school the day after. Mm. Well, I can't just fly out and not go to Moscow. <laughs> <laughs> On his own. <laughs> Sorry if that's not good enough for you. Like, do you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but whatever. Whatever. Malcolm, if you're listening, you're a dickhead, so don't worry about it. <laughs> now I really want to win the Champions League. <laughs> oh, mate. If I do, I'm going to find him. I swear I'm going to find him. going to Zoom call him. I searched that bitterness this morning. Malcolm, Man City. <laughs> See if I can find this Twitter account. So this is the okay. new thread on uh, on this podcast is uh, bingo. Actually, we're going to add Malcolm, the Man City fan, <laughs> to the bingo. It's going to be... It's gonna, maybe we can do an update. Every week, you tell us your pursuit of finding this guy. And I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> the Malcolm update. <laughs> the Malcolm update. See, the thing is, I'm in love with Malcolm Tucker, and he's going to ruin Malcolm for me if this carries on. But you know, going back to you saying about fifty fifties, um, I think Tuchel made the wrong decision in in uh, taking Billy off. I feel like that was a, a poor move from him. I saw Dan McCarthy, who you know I believe is a is a very decent Twitter account. I like Dan a lot. I saw what he had to say, and I. Obviously, I totally understood it. Uh, nonetheless, I don't think it worked. The idea behind it, I can understand. But then I've been thinking about it because I'm not one normally to get too angry about football. Um, I try to be articulate. I think on this podcast, I actually <laughs> articulate myself worse <laughs> than I do on other things. I don't know, maybe it's the free reign. But I was thinking about it, right? And oh, Jorginho's mistake, we'll, we'll come on to it. We'll come on to it. But it needs to be understood and this is I don't I want to be consistent right and I said under Lampard when we had that long unbeaten run that people need to relax because this is not normal and things will change and it did and people were sort of 
And I don't know whether it's a Chelsea thing. I think it might be more of a Chelsea thing than a lot of other clubs where, okay, now we, we've hit good form. Why is this not permanently maintained forever? And if it doesn't, if we lose a game, well, <laughs> the whole world is burning. Do you know what I mean? And it's with Tuchel, he's been so consistently excellent with his decisions, with his substitutions, with his squad picks, with his rotation, that actually he made the wrong decision. And that happens. Pep's got a habit of doing it in big games, typically. This season, not so much. But even in the uh, semi-final of the FA Cup, you could argue that he didn't maybe get it right. But um, I think Tuchel just got it wrong. And like I said, Arsenal, the red herring, you know, if it moves them from ninth to eighth, fair enough. Um, Again, you know, we'll, we'll come on to the game in a minute. But I just don't think Tuchel got it right. And yeah, Jorginho had a very poor game, but... I think everyone had a very poor game. It was just that he happened <laughs> to have such a cataclysmically bad game. Just watching it, it's frustrating. And especially because I thought Billy was the the silver lining in the performance. Um, and again, I don't want to seem overly biased, but I thought he had a really good game. Uh, and yeah, so, you know, let, let, whilst we're talking about it, let's go into, let's go into the game, obviously. Chelsea... Uh, losing to Arsenal, not not ideal. Um, but what what were your thoughts on the game? Because obviously it's thrown you into musical theatre, so it must have been something drastic. <laughs> I just <laughs> oh man, I don't know what what to say about that game. That game summarised my apathy towards um, towards lockdown ball. Like it just did. Like it, it was the perfect conclusion to me of lockdown ball, of pandemic ball, of no fans ball, of <laughs> I don't give a shit ball. Like, you know, it was it was the it was the the lack of pace and intensity around the game. It was you just you've watched enough football in your life to know when your team isn't gonna score. Like it's just it's just not gonna happen. It had all the hallmarks of the Brighton performance, of the Leeds performance, of Southampton, of Wolves, um those dour draws we've had where a team sits back, just camps in their own half. We don't have the right mentality. This Tuggle team has a lot of, you know, under Lampard, we kept on comparing it to Klopp. I actually think there is a more relevant comparison to Klopp's early Liverpool right now with Tuchel in the sense that if you remember under Klopp, Liverpool were exceptional in the big games early on in his career at Liverpool. Like they were amazing. They'd win so many of them probably because of the intensity of the game, the focus of those games, but also because teams against Klopp's early Liverpool who weren't at the height they are now with the quality of squad would probably leave so much more space for them to exploit and there'd be a bit of a surprise factor to Liverpool. But then they'd come unstuck in the smaller games, you'd call it, where teams would not be see- would be seen as the underdog against them and that's what limited their uh, potential to challenge for a Premier League title in, their, uh, in those early seasons with Klopp. Um, and that's what I feel of Tuchel at the moment. I also think, as silly as it is, I think the football gods, you know, the tax, I felt there was a tax coming because the highs of Real Madrid, the highs of Man City, the highs of getting to an FA Cup final. I have to say, though, I think if that goal doesn't go in, I think the game ends nil-nil because the pattern of the game. Yeah. I think the game turning moment is Kai Havertz miss. I think if Kai Havertz puts that in the back of the net, I think we probably win the game easily in the end. Um, because I just don't think Arsenal would have been there to fight for anything. You know, I think they would have collapsed quite easily, actually. Firstly, I thought Billy was excellent. I really, genuinely did. I, I tweeted about it at the time. The way that he is always looking to pass the ball forward is... Oh, it's just such a good trait. I'm, 
I'm and I said this about Jorginho for so long. So before anyone you know thinks there's any inconsistencies, I've always said I would love to see Jorginho be a little bit more expansive in terms of forward passing. And I'm okay if those passes don't come off because at least you're trying something. Do you know what I mean? That's why I'm always okay with Werner taking shots that don't go in because at least he's doing he's doing something, right? Um, but yeah, I thought I thought Billy was excellent. I thought Smith Rowe was excellent as well. My goodness, what a player! I, I really like him. I think he's very very good. At, like obviously he scored, but you know, in my opinion, that's a Jorginho own goal. But he scored, and I thought he was excellent. So fair play to Smith Rowe because I like seeing young English talent, obviously. Um, come through England England no I'm joking um yeah so I, yeah, I thought the game was stale but do you know what I was, I was watching the game right and I agree with you I, I didn't see a score and I thought Kai chose the wrong shot again I was surprised he didn't go for a little dink he usually my, his problem this is my issue with it his problem in front of goal is not hitting it too hard it's usually the reason he misses is because he tries to place it delicately and that yeah. helps the goalkeeper save it it was the opposite then he actually in that position and you know me trying to claim I'm an expert at finishing but I think the 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 time he had I actually think Leno had sort of committed himself all he needed there was to shape it do what he did against Real Madrid potentially chip it over the keeper there was enough room there for it to chip over Leno yeah. and probably go in or just place it in either corner it just the way the finishing this season has been some of the worst finishing I've seen at Chelsea. Like I don't think it can get much worse next season. Like it really can't. The, yeah. the level. It's not been ideal. It's not been ideal. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's one of those where actually in the last three three four months there's been a lot of positivity. I don't want to sit and dwell. The the performance actually did annoy me as well. I didn't. I don't normally get annoyed at football. Um, it's just not my way of, of watching the game. I don't, I'm not one that, you know, hit, like slams my hands down or shouts or anything. It's not, not really me. Um, but I did just get really, I just felt like I was wasting my time. And that's what I didn't appreciate. I felt like I was wasting my time and I knew the outcome and I knew that we weren't going to score. It was so obvious. But I did think, right, and I doubt that any Arsenal fans listen to this podcast. So whatever. But... If you're an Arsenal fan, even even though you've got the win, are you happy with that performance? Because, as we've said before, Arsenal are a team that historically have a, a very clear identity and philosophy, in my opinion, which is strong possession, fast passing, creative movement. They get things done nice and quickly, really efficient, really nice, aesthetically pleasing football. And, you know... That is the way Arsenal have done things under Wenger early years, all the way through. I thought Wenger ball was really, really nice. You know, you, you see prime examples of it, for example, that Jack Wilshire goal, right, against Norwich, which is just one of the most sublime goals you could ever watch. And and that for me, Arsenal have always been that way. And you know, I know Chelsea fans, Arsenal fans are trying to get one up on each other constantly. But I don't think as a Chelsea fan you can take away from Arsenal that actually, historically, they've had a very strong identity and philosophy. And that's something to be proud of as a club and and, and fair play to them because they're a big club for a reason, right? But as an Arsenal fan, I, you know, I was thinking, you know, if I was an Arsenal fan and the culture of our club is to play a certain way, is to play the Arsenal way. Right, because Chelsea are a bit more pragmatic. I, I believe personally we're a club that does better historically from counter-attacking play rather than heavy possession. If, you, if you're going to want to play the Arsenal way, 
Are you happy? It 22 minutes in, all the men behind the ball in your own half. I know you got the result, fine. But, like, I thought it was such a disappointing performance from Arsenal as well. Like, the the way they've fallen off. Let's let's talk about it quickly because I don't want to spend longer than five minutes talking about a shitty game. But it the handball was obviously a handball, right? I don't I don't even know if there needs to be much debate around it. It's no point even us sitting here and saying, oh, why didn't VAR? Because they didn't, all right? They just didn't. They should have, but they didn't. It was a handball, you know, say la vie. It is what it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's the way it is. Uh, it was a handball. It didn't get given. We move on. It's, it doesn't really... It doesn't change the fact that the performance was terrible. I, I personally think we should have had two penalties. Um, both weren't checked. Okay, very strange. But like, like I said, anyone that's listening, I don't really <laughs> want to sit here and, and talk about this game too much because, you know, we've got bigger and better things to be looking forward to. Um, but, you know, la- lastly on this game, before we look ahead to, um, to the FA Cup final... I saw some people blaming Zuma and Kepa for the mistake which led to the Arsenal goal. And I'd like to just address that, you know, Zuma, Jorginho called for the ball from Zuma, right? So Jorginho's demanding the pass. Secondly, Jorginho's role is to be the deepest midfielder and distribute from deep. If you're Zuma, you trust him to do that because actually he's quite good at doing that. And has been excellent under Tuchel. Fine. So you pass him the ball. Zuma is not to blame for passing Jorginho the ball. In this system, you are meant to pass it to Jorginho when you're there. It's his job to work the way out of it. That's his role. You know, he's not an out-and-out defender. He's not. A, his job is to find solutions to to problems when we're when we're being pressed and when when things are difficult. He's meant to play the correct pass at the right time, and he's been outstanding at doing that recently. Secondly, people blaming Kepa. Okay, fine, you could say Kepa should be in the middle of his goal, but I don't think that's realistic. And 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 added to that, who like do you not look up before you pass? And like, unless you're Gooty or Beckham, where you can maybe ping it without looking, like in a position where you're being pressed near near the goal, what you're just gonna knock it back towards where the goalkeeper maybe is or isn't and hope that they're there. I don't think that makes any sense. Um, especially because it by the as the ball was travelling from Zuma to Jorginho, he could have been looking around him. Uh, and and that is just, you know, a poor mistake from a, a seasoned player. And and yeah, that's that's kind of my thinking on the mistake. And then, you know, at that, at that point, I think there's very little that anyone else can do to prevent Arsenal from scoring. Well, let's move on from the Arsenal game and talk about something far more important, which is the uh, the kit being released. Mm. Kits. Kits. Go for it, mate. Sorry. Okay, so it we all knew what it looked like. For months, we've known what it looked like. You know, we were doing podcasts about it in March, I think it was. Um, but they finally released it on Thursday morning, so not long after the Arsenal game, uh, which made it even more of a, <laughs> a double blow, to be honest. Um I quite like the announcement video uh, from a like a creative standpoint. Um, unfortunately, they've put all their effort into the announcement video and not the kit. Um, I have seen the kit in person. I actually have. It's not as bad as I thought from pictures, but it's still 
my overall feeling rather than anger and like just going overboard about a kit is frustration i just once again i i got some people may know i've i purchased i used my money this year instead of buying a new kit i bought the 0405 shirt with lampard 8 on the back my favorite chelsea shirt and it's it's actually cheaper it cost me less much less to buy that shirt one of the most iconic shirts in chelsea history than the the new kit which costs exorbitant amounts i mean the club claim in their pr campaign that firstly it's in the 60s and I, I could I could get into like creatively how they could have been much more inventive with their video if they really want to go to 60s, but whatever. The price of these things, the Vapor shirt, which is the one that the players wear, is over 100 quid, 104 quid, I believe, which is the, the highest I think it's ever been. It's gone up in price, I'm pretty sure, because I've bought Vapor shirts in the past and that that's the highest, so ridiculous. But then the Stadium shirt, which is supposed to be the cheap one for fans to buy, 70 quid, that's at this current price, I think 30 or 40 quid more than buying the, the latest FIFA. Um, as I already said, buying the classic Chelsea shirt costs much less. So the idea this is for youth, a youthful shirt, along with the fact that it's just an awful design, um, further just rubber stamps how bad it is and, and why me and Jay rally against against the new kit so apart from all the jokes we make on this podcast about kits um i just it's just it's ridiculous the, the price is just generally even if it was a better kit the price is just astonishing it's just horrible and, and i hope that maybe some support representation on the board may bring up discussion points like this because i know being in supporters trust meetings before the kits have been brought up before as a serious point because kits mean stuff to people especially the home shirt the away shirt we can sort of i could deal with doing crap on the away shirt because you know we don't wear it every single week it's the shirt that people care a lot about so that that's sort of the introduction point to to the kit discussion the video sucks and the kit stinks and i don't even care yeah that it's made of recycled material you might as well just recycle all the shirts and remake them. Like, it's so bad. And I, you know, I see people today like, oh, the kit's not even that bad. The kit stinks. That is the worst Chelsea kit that's ever been made. And I don't want to hear anything. The, the yellow shirt, the, the, is it the, that's been rumoured, there's like leaked pictures of a, a yellow uh, away kit or a third kit. That's a beautiful kit. I'm totally okay with that. Oh, he's gonna here, he, here he comes on his, his DMs. He's got a DM from Free UK to promote as an influencer. So in two months' time, when the second kit gets released, I guarantee you Jay McIntosh will be promoting it. To be fair, big up Free. They gave me tickets for Tuesday's game, so shout-outs to Free. Um, but, uh, yeah, Free, your kit sucks. Um, mate, the, the kit the kit's... Oh, it's so bad. It's really bad, and I don't even know what to say. I don't want to lift trophies in that kit. I'm not even sure. I, would, I don't want to look back and be like, oh, amazing. We lifted Champions League and look at the kit. I'm like, Imagine we have to lift the Champions League and that kit. Jorginho wearing a captain's arm. Have you even seen the but PSG the... kit? It's quite nice. I'm like, that's oh, a no. nice kit. That's a nice. I know like... the worst club in the world and their kit's so nice. Can we get Jordan on, on board here like at Chelsea? Can we, can we get some of that, please? Jesus Christ. Give me Umbro kits. That's what I want. I want Umbro kits. You know, without ranting too much, it's hard to say something original. The kit sucks. The video sucks. I don't care. I mean, if you're going to... Like, I really didn't rate the video because I know that they'll have a big budget. And if that's the best they can do for... Like, it's not particularly original. 
Let, let's be honest. I mean, the the Hudson Odoi thing is evidently I can't remember what film that's taken from, but it's just replicated directly from. Uh, I can't remember the name of the film, but I'll find it. Speaking Problem about is, musicals, uh, if you're gonna do sixties, do some sort of hairspray shit. You know, the hair the hair was like just like they they had modern haircuts. Like you're gonna go full way. You know, if you're gonna do sixties, at least make a fucking effort. You know, that's what I say. You know? And, and it's, nothing's gonna be more embarrassing than the kit they're wearing. So you might as yeah, well. Yeah, you might as well go to full. <laughs> yeah, you might as well send them out dressed as. You know, I don't even know, mate. But it's it's disappointing, especially at the price. You're mugging people off, and it looks like that. It's almost a bit of a joke. Let's hope that the when other kits come out, they're slightly nicer. And I'm sure that people will warm to the kit over the course of the season, as has happened with the Palace kit that Chelsea have. Um, the marketing will always help. Please don't buy that kit. It's so bad. And this club made the decision to put us in the ESL anyway. Don't give them the money. Like the season ticket, fine. Fine, because that's different. That's, that's, that is a completely different thing, right? In my opinion. Because a season ticket is... I don't think you you buy a season ticket to primarily support the owners. I think you do it so you can go and show your uh, love and respect for the club and the players in person, be there, be part of a community. I think that's different with the kit. And it's not, it's not a situation that the, the Glazers and the Cronkies have at Arsenal. Like it's that, Despite our yeah. criticism in recent weeks, it's not to the same level of ferocity in terms of ownership. You know, if Chelsea win a trophy tomorrow night, we're all buzzing you know we love the club and you know that that's i just i i think that it could be so i just we've had discussion before i think it just could be so much better i just think it could be so much better in these kits and my problem is and my problem is these kits will be the price of them as well they'll be irrelevant in 12 months time in 12 months there'll be another three kits out let's move on to (laughs) the first of the two finals to preview um let's do the fa cup final because that's the on Saturday, and then of course we'll get to the the Champions League final, which is on Sunday against Barcelona. There is a feeling that we can have some redemption after last year's disappointment against Arsenal, um, and Tuchel could win his first trophy. Just your general feelings about the game. Feelings about the game. Um, you know, I, I'm still confident. Again, I I believe Chelsea do better the bigger the game. Uh, that is a a problematic thing. That, that Chelsea Football Club do and are, but yeah. So a big game, a trophy, it's, it's very Chelsea. And I just, I want it so, so much for Reese, for Mason, for Billy, for everyone. You know, obviously the senior players as well, but God, I want it for the young players who haven't had that trophy in the first team yet. I want it for Callum. I want it for Tammy. It's, it's so important that they get their hands on one of these and, and then it, what it does mentally, it elevates you, it just does and you actually can't train or buy that until you win something, right? Um, unless you're Arsenal where you fall off a cliff after winning it last season. But it's it's really important and for Tuchel it'd be a good step and I, I believe as well it, it would breed real confidence going into the Champions League final because this, and, and let's be very real, if, if we come out of this season with no trophies now in two finals, things are not going to feel very nice. I just, I can see it's so Chelsea now to be fifth in the league and win the Champions League. 
and all the pressure goes on that Champions League final. The nice thing is if we do secure fourth before the Champions League final, it lessens that pressure that we have to win it to save next season. Yes, losing the Champions League final would be horrible, as it was in Moscow, but they would still feel that sense of maybe narratively you go, there's a chance to get back to the final again. And there still is something for this squad to achieve because I, I think if you do win the Champions League, it's like the pinnacle already for a young squad. Yeah, the, the FA Cup for me has always been my biggest priority this season in a lot of ways. Emotionally, I felt pretty much for the start of the season, based on the final last year, losing that, having fans this year inside the ground and the feeling for most of the season until we started having a good run in the Champions League that this was our most realistic chance of silverware beating Man City was such a big thing because it gets you into a final against a team who are above Chelsea and have been above Chelsea in the Premier League for most of the season but I hope psychologically Chelsea's experience in the squad at this stage at Wembley over recent years will hold them instead the fact that a large majority of players starting tomorrow will have experienced the pain of the FA Cup final last year you know I think about Antonio Rudiger who made a mistake in the lead up to Bamiang's winner um, and given his form recently um, Dave of course got injured didn't he and went off in tears you know he, he got had to be forced off Kovacic being red carded by Anthony Taylor. Luckily, Taylor is not officiating the game tomorrow. Uh, Christian Pulisic scored the opening goal, but then was forced off by injury. I think across the team, there'll be a lot of motivation for them. You know, I think there's a lot of that built in. Tucker was saying in his press conference that the, the defeat to Arsenal should actually add more impetus and more anger and motivation going into this game to, to rectify that performance. But the FA Cup can be dismissed, can't it, for a lot of people. Um, but I think it means a lot to the club. I think emotionally seeing fans inside the ground tomorrow, even though it isn't full capacity, it'll be the first time Tuchel has experienced Chelsea fans. Uh, and it's an FA Cup final. So that's just the, the nature of, of the last year. Um, and let's hope they can give the sort of energy that we saw against Leeds. You know, one of Chelsea's best performances this year was against Leeds at home. And that was when the fans were there and adding some life and energy uh, because the life and energy was not there against Arsenal. Yeah, the FA Cup's football heritage, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a major trophy. And n n anyone that discounts the FA Cup, is, that's crazy. Don't I don't think anyone should ever be ignorant or arrogant enough to dismiss the FA Cup as just another trophy like what the FA Cup is is so much bigger than just a trophy and yes we have won it a lot that doesn't take away from the that doesn't you know take away from the fact at all that we should be winning it that that's not true and Leicester will really really want it they will be so so up for it it's important that we we go out there and and get the job done and and show why you know cause it's it's really important for next season as well and for the Champions League that's going to come and for the rest of the season like to win that game I think the fan base generally would feel more confident going into the final few games at the end of the season do you know what I mean especially having to go back to back against Leicester it's uh it's never going to be easy but we should be winning those games. And Tactically, what, what do you think about this game in terms of wh what will Tuchel's approach be in terms of, uh, I think we know the formation, but in terms of the players? And once again, it always comes down to that front three because I think, 
a majority of people, I think, would accept the rest of the team. We know Kepa starting, we know Kante starting. I think we expect Rudiger to come back in. Yeah, uh, Thiago Silva, Dave will play some part. We know James Chilwell. Despite his mistake the other day, I think it's a set thing that I think Jorginho starting this game. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kante, obviously, I've already said. But then you Kepa. do get into that front three, don't you? You get into that front three, and that's always the big. But it's got to be Werner. It's got to be Mount, and then it's one over. I think it's. Uh, I personally think he'll just go for. Yeah, it would be the same starting lineup he started against Man City in the FA Cup semi final. Vernon Mount Ziash. I also would argue, despite his miss the other day, could Tuchel go for the same, the 11 he went with against Real Madrid in the second leg? So instead of having Ziash, you have Havertz and you have Mount playing in behind a front two of Werner and Havertz. That works really well. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't mind either of those, to be honest. Either of those front threes we've talked about, the rest of the team kind of speaks for itself. Um, yeah, I hope Leicester come out swinging. I really do, because I, I want to watch a good game. The Arsenal game is so dead. Um, and the FA Cup final, I mean, you want to win it in style. I, and I think Rogers. <laughs> there's a bit about Rogers. He's a bit of a, I want to say an arrogant bloke. He's He just, wants the honesty. A... He loves the honesty in the game. You know, he talks, he uses the word honest. I think he, and that sometimes I think is his, is his undoing as a head coach. I think sometimes yeah. he's maybe not quite as pragmatic or as flexible as some other coaches. Um, and maybe that could be their undoing tomorrow. Yeah, maybe arrogance is the wrong word, but he's. I think that he, he there's something of the showman in him, but it's very concealed, and and it's quite Leicester. They are they are sort of covert showmen, really. They're they're a very good team, very strong. Ian Nacho has been on great form. Vardy hasn't, but it's Vardy. Um, yeah, I, again, it's. It's, we're at a point now where, you know, we can pretty much guess what the Leicester team's going to be. We can pretty much guess what the Chelsea team's going to be. It's it's basically, we're just going to have to sit there for 90 minutes and watch them have it out and and see what happens. And I really do hope it's a good game. I'd like to indulge in the narrative. I hope we come out on top. That's all we can really, that's all we can really wish for. And in a game like this, as, as it has been, actually, I feel like Chelsea-Leicester games have been very good to watch, despite the result recently. And... This might sound like something quite lazy to say, but whoever wins will have deserved the win. I don't think there's going to be like the Arsenal game where they definitely didn't deserve to win, but they won. I don't think that's going to happen, Chelsea-Leicester. I think that everyone's going to be throwing everything at it. Uh, and that's what I'm looking forward to. We know the tactics of both managers. We discussed them specifically too closely at length in this podcast over the last few months. I don't know if we need to get into that too much more, especially, you know, you've touched on it already. Um, Pulisic's an interesting one. He's a weapon if whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench. Uh, again, I'm not too fussed either way. Obviously, Cover's back, but I think it'll be Kante Jorginho, and and I reckon it'll be the same for the Champions League final as well. So, yeah, it's just it's just about going out, and I hope, I hope the players enjoy themselves. It'd be lovely for Mount to get a goal in the FA Cup final that would just be a real beautiful moment a real cathartic moment as we, we keep saying um, yeah it'd be excellent and you know I'm not nervous I probably will be before the game but I don't you know I don't again don't tend to get nervous before games anything like that so yeah I hope I hope we get the job done because it's exactly what the club needs it's what the fans need it's what the players need um, 
And, you know, I mean, no disrespect, but I think, and I'm going to be biased, but I think that Chelsea need a trophy more than Leicester currently. I think as well, it would it would qualify the investment that Chelsea are making. And it would also, you know, it would say, right, we're on the right track here. Whereas Leicester are quite clearly on the right track. I don't think Leicester need trophies to prove it. Whereas the way that Chelsea are, I think they do. And also just the and way Chelsea's whole mantra as a club is yeah, win trophies yeah. constantly. You win trophies, yeah. Yeah. So that that's why I think the club needs it more so than Leicester. But, you know, a Leicester fan would obviously disagree with me and, and rightly so. Rightly so. It's just um it's just the way I see it. I'd personally love to see it. Yeah, Mason scoring would be very emotional. Reese scoring would be very emotional. Um so and just on Reese, uh, Adam Newson I did an interview with him, a brilliant interview. I definitely suggest go and read uh, Football London. I've I, me both me and Jay have retweeted his the article, um, and some other po- a pre-match reading that I suggest. Matt Law wrote an amazing piece on Thomas Tuchel, the the behind-the-scenes stuff around Tuchel, his thought process, the books he reads, his inspiration as a as a coach, as a leader. Really good stuff there. So there's some preview stuff for you to to read and get up before the FA Cup final. And let's hope we're here speaking about a triumphant final on Sunday or Monday, wherever the next pod is. Of course, we have to preview the other final, uh, Champions League final, the biggest game for Chelsea women. Um, fifth, you know, this is halfway where Chelsea could be dominating Europe, the kings and queens of Europe, potentially at the end of this season. Chelsea w- wiping the floor in terms of the scoreline. I actually think Reading, it was a bit harsh from Reading that scoreline because I think they from what I expected of the game, I think they actually threatened at times Chelsea. There was there was large gaps where Reading were pressurising Chelsea in that game. But the quality on show, in particular, once again, by Curran Kirby and two incredible strikes by Fran Kirby in the first and second half. I think the first one she scores with her right foot is just astonishing. It just goes in the top corner, um, summing up. And just, it, you could tell why when they got to three and four, it, was, it reminded me a little bit of Chelsea when we won the title against Wigan where that was such a great free-flowing team against uh, for, for, for Ancelotti. And um, you felt like they were just enjoying themselves out there by the time because they knew the title was won and they were just playing some lovely stuff and, of course, lifting the trophy at full time. And a chance to win their third trophy of the season on Sunday, which would be the biggest probably um, in, in... Oh, there's no just, probably about yeah, it, yeah? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, because the league always matters, but they, of course, they've won the league. But the Champions League is just like a new pinnacle for this team. A bit I like mean, the men's the, team. We know the we know the starting lineup, don't we? I think I think yeah, it's pretty yeah. set what the starting lineup will be. Um, Berger, Carter, Bright, Eriksson, Charles, Leopold, Ingle, G, Kirby, Harder, Kerr. You yeah. could maybe the only other name I was going to throw in there is Aaron Cuthbert because I know against Wolfsburg, um, the second leg, Emma Hayes used her as sort of that hard working player in the front three to really harass to really um get forward and, and be more of defensive protection but I don't suspect that's what Hayes will be doing in this game I think she'd want to put all of her biggest sort of guns out there for this game yeah mate well the thing is right the Reading game it was just it was a bit of a demolition job the thing is with Reading like one shot on target Chelsea had nine 40 percent possession Reading 60 percent Chelsea obviously it was just it's just it's just a level of quality, isn't it? Whereas Barcelona, and I mean, I'm sure everyone has heard about the Barcelona numbers. I mean, they have not lost a league game all season. 26 games, no draws, no losses, all wins. Obviously in Champions League final. 
They've scored 128 goals in the league and conceded five. <laughs> they have a goal difference of 123, which is obscene. I don't even know how the fuck that happens, but it's that is so wild. It's it's mad. It's actually mad. Um, and I'm really, really excited for it. I'm excited for it because what this does for Chelsea women if they win is, and unfortunately it has to be this way, because it's just the nature of the way it's developed is, this breaks them through now into the mainstream, perhaps the Chelsea fan consciousness, the public consciousness. It might get more people on the radar and, you know, you know, Daniel, you and I believe that people should maybe be trying their best to, to get involved, to, to learn, to watch highlights, watch games when they can. Like, you know, there's, I, you know, I'm not perfect with it. I don't watch um, them as much as Daniel does. I try my best to watch when I can. I'm learning. I'm trying to, to speak to people consistently about how to, to get involved and what, what can be done because, you know, they're at an amazing stage now, this club. And yeah, I don't know what else I can add. I don't know about the Barcelona women's team enough to be able to break down how they're going to play, what they're going to do. Um, I would suggest going to find another podcast to do so and, and probably should do so. And I'm going to do the same. In the Champions League final, I my only concern has been that Chelsea throughout the Champions League have left things to the second leg. And I know obviously a final is a one-off game, so I'm hoping that we can avoid a slow start and we, we don't ha- don't need to take a whole match to grow into things. Because Barcelona, with that goal-scoring record, are going to be coming out on fire. On fire. Ericsson, Bright, they're going to have a very, very busy game. A very busy game. And I trust Kerr, Harder, England, um, Kirby, whoever, G, to, um, to be clinical when we need them to. I think it's massive that um, Berger's going to be there. Obviously, I think she's the best women's goalkeeper in the world. Uh, and she's a real game winner on her, on her own. Barcelona have game winners in abundance as well. So it's fascinating. And, and Emma Hayes is teetering on the edge of pure excellence. And I'd say she's already there. But she she is looking at this Champions League final. Obviously, she said, I think it was to the Times or the Independent, that this is our time, this is Chelsea's time. It would just be wonderful, wouldn't it, mate? It'd be really wonderful. It would. I, I saw uh, Millie Bright was uh, giving an interview and she was saying that they were asking her, you know, do you consider yourself to be one of the best players in the world? And she was like, or getting into the World Eleven, And she was like, "I." it's just about the process. It's about... If I get to a final, if I play well in a Champions League final, if I win these big titles, then that will come. But, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, Chelsea winning. And um, I think it's it's the combination of a lot of hard work by Emma Hayes, hard work by the, the team, the players, the staff, the people who work so tirelessly in the women's game, I think, too. I think it's not just a Chelsea thing in this country. I think it's there'll be a lot of people, that, you know, you see the emotion of, say, some of the pundits who, who work on, on, on women's football, whether that's Karen Carney, who, of course, was at Chelsea before. And you understand the significance, even if I personally haven't been on that journey and experiencing it 
then with, with with them you know but i you can appreciate how much has changed in recent years in terms of the exposure whether that's the new broadcast still for next year whether that's more people becoming involved as much as i don't like the kit i think it was a big step i personally think that you had a 50 50 split in terms of the men and women players in the kit launch despite our dislike for the kit it was literally identical you had ericsson kirby kerr and harder hudson adoy ziash Werner, and mount um i think these have all been things that have been building up you know you think about i remember the, the the publicity of the fa cup final win where kirby had an amazing game against arsenal it's all been steps i think to this that i think that hopefully they can get the right result because i hope that it'll be the most people i know who don't watch the women's team every week will be watching this game and you should be because you know it could be an incredible weekend for chelsea football club you know saturday evening chelsea could be lifting an fa cup final and on sunday evening we could be lifting you know a champions league as well and it's uh a team that's a great representation of the football club with a group of great characters. And I just don't know why I've, I've said this before. Like, I, I, yeah, there, ha, there have been, I, I guess people who've been so invested in the women's team for, for a long time, getting slightly annoyed that maybe there are people, I guess you'd call it jumping on now and focusing on the women's team and maybe covering them a little bit more. Um, and I, I sort of think that I can understand that frustration to a point, but I think it's it's positive that people are focusing. I think if people are just doing it for this own this game and then they just dismiss it and never come and cover the women's team until we get to another Champions League final or until it's, a, it's it's in the public sort of sphere again, then yeah, that's a problem. But I think you'd want more people getting involved. And I think what people realise is when they, they see the women's team and watch them, there's just something so lovable about watching them and they play just amazing stuff. So I just, I don't know if you're a football purist you wouldn't just enjoy watching the team. And because the men's team haven't been the most amazing team in recent years. So there's been many weekends, I have to say, where the men's team has been awful. And then on a Sunday, you'd watch the women's team and they're just delightful and they, they play some amazing stuff. And, you know, you can invest your time in there. So I just, I'm not saying you have to be an expert on it because, you know, everyone has, you know, there's a lot of emotional and time you, you put into, say, one team. And, you know, and I think that there's, so much information out there about the men's game that I personally have to go into when I'm doing my videos. But, you know, as we've constantly, I think, stressed on this podcast, you know, watch, support. Um, and I think I think you'll love the team. I think you will. And I think that, the, you know, what a great time it is to be jumping on board anyway. You know, they could be winning a Champions League. Just try. That's all you can do. Just You don't have to be, like, super on it. Just, you know, start with highlights follow the the cfcw social obviously um see what you can do um but yeah i I don't know what to add to that it's a big game let's hope the result comes through and also just before we go on to average mammal which i do have the shout for this week (coughs) malcolm um lauren james the club have obviously made a few errors and benjamin mendy's name is on there as well i mean i don't know what's going on there um uh, but it looks like lauren james may be joining uh chelsea women's obviously that's the uh reese james's sister so if she, if she comes let's let's hope she brings some more of the james family excellence with her and 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 adds to this very successful chelsea women's team that's looking like a bit of a, a dynasty at the moment i don't know if they're going to be toppled domestically soon i know city are very good but they're not as good as chelsea and they're not managed as well so uh, a lot to be seen let's hope the uh 
let's hope the women can can bring the Champions League home and, and really do Emma Hayes some justice because if there's one person in world football that deserves the Champions League more than anyone, I think it's Emma Hayes. So let's hope we see that. Uh, Daniel, anything to add before we go on to Average Mammal? Well, just uh, Chelsea did make their first signing. Chelsea women did make their first signing yes, a couple yes. of days ago. And Nick Nguyen, I've probably pronounced that wrong, uh, from PSV. Um, so that is the first signing they've made. We did have a conversation a few weeks back about how would you improve this side? You know, you've got to trust Emma Hayes' judgment for bringing in players. You know, that's, that's the thing as well is that they, the recruitment in the women's team has been so good. There is no dead space. There is no dead wood, as you'd call it. All these players play an integral role. And the toughest thing is if they do win a Champions League on Sunday, it's about maintaining that level of excellence. And that's always the most difficult thing. You know, not just Chelsea as a club has struggled with that at times. You know, we won the Champions League in 2012. We were knocked out in the group stage the next year. It's it's always that big, big thing of maintaining that excellence and keeping yourself at that level. So um, it's a very delicate process in terms of transfers in normal times, but especially now of, of maybe... It's that balancing act of bringing in teams to bring in players to improve the quality of the squad and the right mentality to keep the team progressing, but also maybe not disrupt the the chemistry that's already there. So that's that's a difficult balancing yeah. act to to strike. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and obviously just just to add off Barcelona have uh, in in the league alone four players that have more than eighteen will have eighteen goals and assists or more, <laughs> which is just nuts. So big game. Big game, let's hope it comes through, but ah, we're past the hour point, I guess. It's time maybe for the average mammal of the week. Now, there's plenty. I mean, it could be Jorginho. It could just be the whole Chelsea team on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, could be the VAR, could be the refs, um, but it's not them. It's not them. It could be Chelsea Twitter. <laughs> it could be Chelsea Twitter, but it's also not them. It probably should be them. Um, and that includes that includes us too as well. Um, but us two more so than most, <laughs> I might add. Um, but the average man of the week is obviously Malcolm, Man City Malcolm, my arch nemesis Malcolm. I can't stand the guy. Honestly, I I don't rate him. I don't even know who he is besides the fact that I know his name. I wouldn't be able to and he wears and he wears always gear in a on a radio interview where no one's going to see what he's wearing. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Malcolm, if you're listening, drop me a DM. Yeah, well, actually, don't just <laughs> just don't. All right, I just I don't want it. Just we'll leave it. I don't want to lose my temper. Um, the world's loudest Man City fan. You'd have you honestly you'd have thought he was a Gallagher brother the way he was banging on genuinely like so loud. Um, so yeah, Malcolm, you're. You are the average mammal of the week, mate. Um, sorry, I didn't go to Russia in 2008. I did have school the day after I was 11. I am. I apologise. I must not be a real Chelsea fan for that reason. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Malcolm, you are the average mammal of the week. Congratulations, mate. So whatever, whatever. But on that note, I don't have anything else to add. Do you, mate? The nerves are there for tomorrow, man. I, I desperately want to win this competition, man. Me too. Me too, but I'm not nervous. I'm just looking forward to it. Just hope it's not a waste of time again. Just CBA to waste my time. But whatever. I just hope I hope it's a good game. I'd like to see Mason score. But I'll take anyone scoring. Yeah, no, uh, Billy Billy should be starting up front as well, so. Well yeah, obviously or in goal or anywhere to be honest, but get him on. Oh if Billy starts, can you imagine if Billy starts? I will be insufferable the whole game if Billy's playing. I'm gonna. He won't play. Ooh, breaking news: David Luiz to leave Arsenal this summer. 
Oh, oh no, what a shock. What a loyal club servant he's been. Fair play, David Luiz. Go go and do what you got to do. I, I like David Luiz. I like him. I, I do. I can't help but, I can't help but like the, the characters. I do think he's a bit of a cult hero. Um, but also a bit of a snake. So, you know, dig your gravy laying it kind of thing. But <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like him to make a bit of a rogue move. Like, I love David Luiz at Leeds. That would be pure chaos but it'd be lovely it'd be lovely but on that note i guess we're done for you know today um i don't know leave a review if you're still here show people the podcast uh follow us on twitter let him know where malcolm is yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) bring me malcolm bring me malcolm (laughs) (laughs) um Right, well, we'll be back Monday. I've been uh, Jay McIntosh, as always, joined by Daniel Childs. This has been the Every Other Sunday Football Podcast. Please um, get in touch with us on Twitter. Let us know how you feel. Let us know how you think about ahead of the game. Like, review, play us, you know, out loud in your car, roll your windows down, drive through town slowly, um, <laughs> do what you got to do. Um, and if you're a Man City season ticket holder, you know what to do, yeah. You know what to do. Find him find him um, and we'll, we'll we'll catch you on monday but yeah peace